Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you for listening. And if you are tuning in again, welcome back. And lastly, if you find today's episode or any of these episodes of this podcast to be helpful or insightful, please follow and rate this podcast on whatever platform you're using. The more followers and ratings we get, the more we can help people like you. And without further ado, let's get started. One of the things I love about podcasting is being able to get acquainted and link up with other professionals. In today's episode, I have Dr. Jenna Cantor, who is the owner of uh, Jenna Cantor Physical Therapy, who actually specializes in working with people in the performing arts. And I would love to have her on today's episode to discuss all about dance. So Jenna, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So let's get right into it. For the listeners who may not be very familiar with you, tell us a little bit more about yourself and the journey that you've been on that brought you to where you're at today. All right. I love this question because I get to talk about myself. So I'm a physical therapist and also a performer. So, you know, there we go. Second, I love Disney, period. So if you don't love Disney, this might not be the podcast for you. Okay. Third, so I um, grew up as a ballerina, lived and breathed it. I grew up with a ballet director and instructor who would say ballet is the air I breathe. And I was very much in, influenced by that. From there, I got injury, injured multiple times, went to school for dance. And during that time, found musical theater, which was a godsend. And I grew up in a time when physical therapy was, it was hard to find a physical therapist and not necessarily the like thing to do because it just it just didn't really there weren't people who understood us as performers as dancers and I remember Pilates was a big help and and uh because that's what we had access to otherwise we'd have to go 45 minutes to a sports place but they spoke spoke football so they just didn't get it oh I remember feeling so weird being there because like this like guy came in like yo yo and I'm like <laughs> coupe parabres. so it just was weird um and uh then fast forward after having a, a very lucky career in musical theater which I still do um I started to just look at my life um Actually, no, I'm going to go into it. So uh, warning that this might be a little bit triggering some of the things that I share about myself because it is a part of my story and I'm not ashamed of it. And it it just helps open up the door to like what's going on. All right. So go out. My cat loves to leave, come in and out of the room. All right. There we go. He's he's royalty here. Okay, so. Um, for me, I never thought I would be a physical therapist. I loved performing. I ended up getting an eating disorder 
Um, and it was to suppress the two times I was sexually abused in my life. And I didn't realize that. And when I finally started to address the sexual abuse through therapy, um, and realized that was like the issue, um, the food issues went away. I knew I couldn't work in food anymore at that point. Cause which is like a main gig to hold as a, as a performer, whatever type of performer you are uh, working as a waiter is a, is a very good one. Cause you can quit and leave whatever you don't care about it. And, and then you make good money too. And I, I remember my parents pushing me towards physical therapy. I was like, nah, nah, nah. I looked into marketing first, but then found out that was dominated by men. Uh, the field and I wanted opportunity. So I started to look at physical therapy and I thought, well, they are obsessed with, with working out in the body. Maybe not necessarily how I look at it, but I do do that anyway. As a performer, I was like, fine, good enough. And when I was in school, that's when I had a real 180 degree shift because I never, I thought volunteering was for people who wanted to brown nose. And <laughs> I really did. Um, <laughs> and so when people were like, oh, yes, I came here because the school because I wanted to volunteer. I was like, okay, I went into this because I wanted to make money. Because for me, I was used to living at or below the poverty level. And if I have to do that again, I easily can because I've done it before. It's not unfamiliar to me. I hate it. But like, so yeah, so I went into this for the money. And then it was through volunteering, um, uh, uh, performing at a hospital for children through fairytale physical therapy, where I got exposed um, to the art of giving and how it's the best freaking thing in the world um and uh i have to actually watch myself with that now because i really do enjoy it so much physical therapists understand this and so um i just love it and so now what's really great um in working with performers as much as yes i'm giving back i get so much out of that relationship with the performers i just know that world so well i'm still living it and i i just uh, i couldn't see it any other way and then also i'm training people how to treat performers because even though it's a specific niche there are dance studios bless you there are dance studios out in the middle of like nowhere dance studios in the middle of nowhere where maybe there's not a ton of dance studios but there's one and they don't have somebody who knows it so even if you are a person who's aware of like the world you can you can really be of great service to a specific niche of people and that's it thank you <laughs> well thank you so much for sharing um what a what an amazing journey you've been through. And so speaking of being able to reach out to people in various different parts of the country where they don't have access to, um, say, like a physical therapist like yourself, um, it's great to hear that you are creating programs. You have programs that actually train people to actually have the knowledge or at least get a portion of the knowledge that you have. So then that way they can uh, feel empowered and be an, an advocate for themselves. So then that way they can continue to pursue their passion. So I think that's so beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I, I think it's very, very important for people to know you don't need to be a dancer to be able to treat. We didn't know anything about sciatica before we learned about stuff to be able to treat. We don't ask surgeons, oh, were you a ballerina ever? <laughs> or a surgeon who's gonna kind of just, were you a football player ever? No, that's a stupid question. So like, yes, is there a leg up? But at the end of the day, we know from physical therapy school, we can smash whatever we need to in our brain to do service for others. 
Exactly. I think one of the most amazing things is that, especially when it comes to uh, our jobs as physical therapists, is that we have to be very critical thinkers. So it's not necessarily just like, okay, what's in front of me, but what's in front of us, what's the data that we can get? And then how is the, the what's the best way for us to solve this problem? And so in essence, we're problem solvers. And I, and I love um, that you've been able to, to help uh, a ton of people. So let's take a deep dive into this this whole world of dance and performing arts. Um, my experience is very limited. I took a modern dance class in high school, uh, which was so fun. I was um, I was the only guy, and it was like a combination of like yoga, and then we also did modern dance, and I just had a blast, and I had so much fun. But then after that, my experience with dance, aside from uh, the bars that I would go to with my, my college friends, um, that was my only experience with dancing. And so I, I personally myself transitioned into the weightlifting world. I also collegiate swimming world. So, um, but then I transitioned into CrossFit where, uh, I would actually work with a, a fair amount of ex dancers who, um, wanted to get a little bit stronger, but there was this whole world that I was not exposed to that. Mm. I was just so intrigued by. And, um, when I was doing research and you popped up on my Facebook, I said, Oh my gosh, I have to talk to Jenna, um, all about this. So, um, tell us a little bit more about like the common styles or types of dance that you work with. Yeah. So you can work with all different. You never know who's going to come into your door. For me, I work with ballerinas, um, and musical theater performers. Those are the main ones that come to me. It doesn't mean I'm limited on treating others. That's just those are the ones that are in my world right now, and I love it. I'm very, very big on constantly, uh, even with my students, uh, challenging your brain to be prepared for whatever comes in the door, whatever tour might be coming into your town, so you can be fully, like, ready you know for like literally whoever comes in to see uh whatever high level athlete in general uh, i think that is uh, very very important and i think um i think it's i think we all have it in our minds uh we just get in our own way when when using all the knowledge we have Right on. Yeah. Being able to adapt. Um, one thing that I've noticed, uh, particularly in the dance and performing arts population is that they have an amazing, uh, level of body awareness. Um, and so with that and being able to adapt and go into see, uh, and challenging their brains, can you tell us a little bit more about what are some of the common injuries that you see in, in, uh, in, in ballet and musical theater, which I love musical theater. Um, I'm just going to shout this out to you. I love Hairspray. I love Chicago. Um, I love the fan of the opera. And then also my favorite, it's not like in th a theater right now, but um, The Greatest Showman is my favorite movie of all time. And I know that soundtrack from cover to cover and I sing it and I use that See, like album as a way to get me prepared to uh, get me prepared and jazz up to go and train in jujitsu, uh, which is really, really cool. So anyway, um, but yeah, talk, talk to us like with, with this, um, with amazing body awareness, which I observe in performing artists and dancers, tell us a little bit more about the, the common injuries that you see uh, in those types and that, that population. 
Okay, I'll do common injuries, but I have to acknowledge Greatest Showman. It's so good. I agree. Uh, that got me through uh, a clinical rotation that was very rough, and um, it was just miraculous. I remember singing um, the song, um, I'm not a stranger in the dark, and just like, uh. there is a YouTube video you should check out, Jeremy Jordan. He's a musical theater performer, and he talks about his contribution to The Greatest Showman and how it like never happened, but it's, it's an amazing story, like behind the scenes um okay so common injuries i'm actually going to base this off the research because that's where i just feel safest in, in this kind of talk there's a lot of research specifically on the form of uh, ballet form uh ba the, the ballet on ballet <laughs> and and for they have found it's basically i kind of summarize it basically just from the foot and ankle and up basically the in injuries decrease percent amount that it decreases the one exception might be the hip and low back but in general as you go up the body it like kind of like a little bit less you know as you get as you get higher but that's specifically for ballet dance for musical theater they're still lacking a lot of injuries i was just looking at one um the other day i can't quote it well but i think it was basically saying lower extremity kind of a gen generic they, they've been as usual, we're always saying we're lacking, lacking evidence, but that's what things are being said there. Uh, now for, but then there are going to be weird things that pop up. It depends on your, like, if you're going to be doing hip hop, we're still lacking a lot of evidence there, but they go up on their shoulders, their neck and stuff like that. So I would be interested to hear about upper extremity dances, you know, when they're weight bearing more about injury and occurrence there. And injury occurrence. Um, I think I'll, yeah. And then you'll go through, like when I first, and then if I go off what I seen, when I first graduated, I saw so much hip. I saw so much hip labral tear, hip something. That's what I saw. That's my subjective right away. Last winter, I don't know what was in the air, but it was this, the winter of knees. The winter of knees. I was like, hello, knee problem. You know, like, there's just, it was like, sometimes there are just seasons of things that come up. Like, is there something in the bread? I don't know what's happening here. Um and then rolling ankles can be so common amongst ballerinas alone. I was doing a screen for a company and I had to, aside from saying, you know, when was your last injury? What have you injured? I quickly learned after the first person, because I just happened to ask the question. Um, uh, I said, oh, have you ever rolled your ankle? You know, because when I asked about injury, injured, they never mentioned their ankles, like so their foot and ankle is fine. They're like, oh yeah, I do that all the time. Like they did not even count it as an injury anymore because it happened that regularly. And then I started asking that separate question and are, Oh yeah. Like what? <laughs> that's how, that's how often it can be for them. <laughs> it's crazy. That's yeah. so cool. I think it's huge. Um, it's really important for uh, physical therapists, medical professionals, anyone who's actually dealing with someone who's been battling with uh, physical challenges. I mean, this go goes about um, throughout the entire spectrum of overall wellness. Like that's huge in mental health, being able to ask more questions to get a better understanding of what people are are dealing with. But I know on my end, um, when I'm working with people with sciatica is being able to ask deeper questions and be able to figure out, well, what else is going on? What are we missing? And you can't figure out what's missing unless you ask more questions to get clarification and get more data, because if not, it's just really more so a shot in the dark. And so if we're looking at um, 
with all these injuries. Um, and I love the fact that you brought the the research because I think it's really easy for us to just base all of our um, base all of our messaging to to the rest of the world um, and and to our clients on just our experiences only. So I love the fact that you actually present the research and I love especially on your, um, on your social media, you actually bring up the research as well, making it more uh, a commonplace. Um, and I think it, it's fantastic to be able to say like, this is what we've seen from a research standpoint, it really backs up everything we say, which I'm a, which I'm a huge fan. And so I'm going to ask you a very, a very loaded question, but with all these injuries that you see, why do you think these injuries are present in, um, well, let's go about specifically ballet dancers. My, when you said loaded, I'm like, why is it loaded? Um, huh. Well, it, um, in in general, of the, I'm going to go back to in research, they found that when the more often a, the more a person dances, the more likely they're going to get injured. So if you just kind of, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So the more hours they dance, the more they're going to get injured. It's just going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, um, but then yeah. I want something else that is might be slightly off topic topic but i don't care i think the psychosocial component is extremely important um when you're talking about the research i've been preparing my my social media posts these last couple weeks for next year and i've done so many and i'm not an expert this is out of my scope but i'm bringing up a lot on cognitive behavioral therapy and other things just for us to remain aware that we have a person in front of us and there are so many social factors that can get in the way of healing i just did a finished a continuing education course on pain science i love pain science and 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 in it adrian lowe was a teacher on MedBridge, and she's fantastic oh, so good i swear if i meet him one day i'm gonna get his autograph and and he was saying um oh god it was something oh i hate it when my brain falls but it totally did um, so Adrian Lowe paints it. Oh yeah. He was bringing out if, uh, if you live in an area where if you're at a job and you have, um, uh, a lot of people are quitting or it's, or it feels like, um, not like a stable job that it's been shown in research that people are more likely to experience pain longer, you know, your income, your, your, where you're at economically, aside from the social support, you know, that these all have a huge effect on how somebody is going to recover from something. Yeah, I hundred percent in agreement with you. Um, and the research has shown um, one thing I've noticed, especially like in operating in the performance world. Um, and this is what I found specifically with uh, in my world of swimming. Um, the thing is, is that when you are, when, when it's your job to perform um, injuries are, a, are a hindrance to your ability to perform at your best. And I remember and I even know for myself, like, luckily I, I wasn't experiencing too many injuries as a swimmer, except my, my back pain. But the thing was the fact that I had such crazy back pain and actually radiated down to my leg. So it was sciatica and it was so bad, but I didn't want to stop swimming. Um, I didn't want to stop swimming. So I actually ended up trying to do everything that I could to make it so that I can continue to swim. Was it a good idea? Maybe, maybe not. I'm fine now today. Right. But it, it is it is really um, interesting to see is that the moment that you have to perform, and I think where a lot of people, um, just human beings in general, when they're not involved in the sport or performing art, 
they might not think of themselves as as someone who has to perform, but we're parents, we're people who have jobs. We have things where we need to show up. And oftentimes it's so easy for us to override those signals that tell us, okay, we need to make changes. So we're not going to be putting ourselves in harm's way, but we are so caught up on trying to show up and perform that we often um, irritate these, these cues. And I love the fact that you said, um, like the the more the more times you do a specific a specific activity, say like the more times you are dancing and performing in ballet, the more opportunities there are to get injured. And so that's that's the big thing with any sort of physical activity and also lack of activity. There is going to be a risk of developing some sort of injury, some sort of issue, some sort of challenge. And it's just the nature of things is like, even though it's a small percentage, right, even if it's a small percentage, a small percentage of a lot of opportunities is a fair amount of is a fair amount of instances in where people can get hurt. So um, I yeah. So thank you for sharing sharing that. So let's talk about let's talk about the concept of sciatica and how it actually appears in in, in dance and the performing arts. Um, sciatica itself can present in many different areas, um, particularly if we're looking at the full irritation of the sciatic nerve. Right, we're looking at possibly. Um, I mean, it's definitely from uh, glutes down um, on the on the posterior side, and really, it people can be dealing with this pain for, for years. And again, if we're working, if we're talking about uh, the performance world um, in, we'll talk about specific ballet and performing arts, it's like people are battling with these issues. Um, if someone has an issue, a, a performing artist, a ballet dancer um, has, has something, uh, something like sciatica pain. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. It's like, do you, do you think that they can perform? Do you think that they can dance around that, that area. And this kind of applies to all the patients that you see if like they come in and they're like, Oh my gosh, I am experiencing pain X, Y, and Z. Um, is there a way for them to train, practice, perform around, around that limitation? Okay. Yeah. The safe answer around judgy physical therapists is it depends. Great. Let's move on. Okay. So, um, the, I look at, uh, how do I sum this up? Um, in short, I'm like the performer, so I'm thinking, how can we get them back on? What do we need to modify? Blah, 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 for them to be on that stage, period. So, like, that's that's it. Um, a lower cross syndrome I found to be very common amongst, honestly, humans. Uh, so, lower cross syndrome, just in case you don't know it or if you need a quick reminder, that we're looking at the hip glute core area. So, that means in the front of your body your core is not working, your hip flexors are overworked, and in the back, your low back is overworked and your butt's not working. So that is a very common area that I address. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, with that though, abs not working. As soon as you're up in that area, and I mean, you gotta look at digestion, you gotta look at stress, you gotta look at anxiety, you gotta look at sleep. Um, uh, any type of uh, things that cause inflammation, and there's just a plethora of things. Chemical used in the chemicals used in the houses. Do they have sensitivities to smells? There's a lot of things that you need to consider because we're talking about the core. The core has come in here. Um, the hip flexor, flexor specifically the psoas major. I'm obsessed with addressing off the iliopsoas because it attaches to that low back. I think it is a, vi uh, a very, very overused area because that core is not working and un, um, not underlooked at. I think a lot of us do are aware of it. Dancers 
stretch their hip flexors, but they're more focused on the quads, which kind of gets it. Uh, and definitely those hamstrings. It, they don't, they need to stretch those hip flexors way more. I remember one dancer, she was actually a, a, a bachata dancer. Um, it's a style of, of Latin dance. I don't know, not my world. Um, and, uh, and, and she was having these pains that were just not going away when she was doing her exercises. And I was like realizing, wait, but I was like, what if you just stretched aside from exercises? Cause you listen, if you're going to stretch that hip flexor, you got to do the glute work to hold it in that elongated position, period. Like you can't do one without the other. But I said, Hey, why don't you stretch your hip flexor several more times during the day? And then she started to get a huge difference because it just was so used to being in a gripping position that the body was interpreting upright posture as painful. Like, oh, my God. Um, and that can always be really mixed up with that low back pain. And then, of course, it can always go all the way down. There's so many nerves endings that, like, go and attach to, the, like, the center core of the body before it streams down the hip and everything. Um, I don't like to use the word sciatica because I'm like, it could be so many things, you know, when you say that, like, what are, what are, hold on, let's see what, let's talk about your body, you know. But I, I, I like to start, for me, I like to start, um in that lower cross syndrome area as uh, like a, a good, strong, stable safety net as we explore the entire body. I think everything always needs to be addressed, but that's one spot that, that I love going diving deep into every time. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the sciatica protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. Now, having an on-demand physical therapist can cost thousands plus hours of sessions. But with the sciatica protocol, you'll receive the same, if not better, customized care completely free. And why are we making this program free? Because I believe that everyone deserves to live free from pain without actually having cause to be the biggest obstacle. It is simple to start and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. Speaking of things that we love, um, I think one of the big things that you brought up is being able to look at the entire uh, human in front of you. I think um, it's so easy, especially when you're, um, let's just say, if you're in the the typical run-in-the-mill physical therapy clinic where you're, you're one of like three to four people, it's actually really hard for that clinician to actually be able to truly look at the entire body because I'm jumping from one person to the other. And I think that's one of the greatest things, especially when you are providing one-on-one -on -one care to be able to say, here's this issue, let's gather as much information. And it's not just one specific body part. It's going to look at the entire body as a system. Obviously it's important for us to get information from one segment to the other, but being able to put all that information together um, is going to give us the, the, the best answer. Um, and unfortunately, in some cases, the best answer isn't always the greatest answer, but that was one of the things that I learned in physical therapy school is like all we had to do is find the best answer in the amongst the choices that are also pretty terrible. But um, I think one of the um, 
I love the fact that you brought this concept of the the lower cross syndrome. Um, I myself too also look at the SOAS major and also how that actually impacts and positions um, everything else in the rest of the body. And you're absolutely right. Like if we're going to stretch something, we also want to make sure that we can strengthen the areas because ultimately that muscle, we'll say the psoas, um, gets stretched because of a specific thing. And so if we stretch something out and we don't strengthen it, we're not going to be able to reinforce those positions that we gain, which in essence can make things even harder for people to maintain, uh, even once they end up leaving you. And I love the fact that you said working in working with, with these, with these clients, we're looking at trying to get them back onto the dance floor, back on stage. And I, I love that because one thing that really breaks my heart is when someone says, Oh, I'm not, I'm just not going to do X, Y, and Z anymore. Um, because usually the activity that got us hurt, unfortunately, it can often be the activity is the activity is that brings, puts food on the table. Um, the activity that actually makes us really happy, brings us joy, brings a smile to our face and not being able to do that stuff is a, is a huge disruptor in our life. And it is important. And it's our jobs as physical therapists to be able to bring someone back into um, that stage, that opportunity to to get moving. So it's like, let's get them back on, right? Let's get them uh, back to performing. Um, I'm going to ask you a very broad question. I think this is going to be really great. And I love all this information that you're providing, but what are some strategies that you that you recommend to to the people that you work with when it comes to uh having the presence of an injury but they want to be able to continue on with their craft continue with their activity how can they work around the the injury or the issue that they're experiencing oh gosh so um Oh, I'm going to do the usual. It depends. <laughs> right. We got past that. Um <laughs> it's like required to say that. Um you have to, I mean, you have to work with, with a physical therapist on this kind of thing. There, you can go, see, this is the thing. When you're talking about sciatica, like, and assuming it's from like low back, often, um, especially on how acute it is, let's say 2020, a lot of people were dealing with low back issues and stuff. And it was from sitting so much more. So just get off your tush and start moving. So just start there. Um like really it's that easy and and love and enjoy the fact that you have so much control over you getting better just even knowing that um second um aside from when you work with somebody who a a physical therapist um you can work with say a personal trainer a chiropractor a regular md who gives you a couple exercises uh, uh a pilates instructor all these great great people wonderful 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 with what they do the thing is is they can give you things but they fully don't understand which thing it was and really why it got you out of your pain and your problem and back to your sport and activity that you want to do whereas a physical therapist will know we will know we will know so much faster than yeah it just makes the world of a difference and we'll be able to have conversations with you about pain that other people don't know to have and understanding your pain and what causes it is has shown in research to help decrease your pain so that's like a big big part of it then also when you're doing your your all um your workout getting that stuff done under understanding more about pain do appreciate 
the things you're ignoring and pushing aside is no, that doesn't work for me. For instance, that's like uh, I had these coconut bywaters I was obsessed with. I was having five, six a day and um, I know so many and uh, and I wasn't having any water and there's caffeine in them. And then I was also having a five hour energy a day. And um, meanwhile, you know, I have like some pains and in, in joints that doesn't need to, it's not like, oh, my God, pains. But, you know, just like my body's not I'm thinking it's just aging, you know. And uh, I stopped. I finally, and I was like, I'm never giving these up, never giving these up. I got COVID, which sucked. Um, and then, um, and it forced me to quit caffeine because I couldn't have any during that time. Like there was no way my body's like, absolutely not. And so uh, I was like, well, this is kind of now or never for me to, you know, stop these things. And um, my recovery from day daily activities has been so much better. Oh my God. Um, uh, and, and that was one of those things I was pushing away. Uh, you may be a person regarding food. Now, when I talk about food, I am not an expert on food, but I think it's important to talk about it. I'm not talking about weight loss. I am in that. I think it's not like, listen, you're beautiful as you are, whatever size you are, period. Um, I'm very, very big on body positivity. I believe in that. I, I believe we need more research on why BMI is stupid. Um, uh, this is just where, what I, where I'm at and what I believe in, I think it pushes aside different cultures and makes it really not for every type of group of people, which I think is just wrong, um, in regards to their care. But when looking at food, there are lots of foods that cause inflammation in the body. So you need to think of food as, as a different, in a different way. For me this morning, I had, uh, eggs rice oh my god so good blueberries and then i i i was like i need to have some kale not because i'm like hey yes i'm going to have some kale but i specifically get energy natural energy from when i eat leafy greens so i'm like let me have some of this like like you would have a shot of of caffeine i have a leafy green and it works it's amazing so uh, that's how I want you to look at food. Not that you have to go out and eat kale. I understand not everybody likes that specifically be green, but look at food in that way, not foods that are, you know, in a box in plastic. I mean, like foods from the ground. So that way you can help your body in its recovery from whatever it is. You're wondering why your body's not bouncing back like it used to, because it got it's sick and tired of all the chemicals and, and pollutants from your brain into the things that you ingest and it can't recover like Wolverine anymore. You now need to like actually do things where it's going, Oh, this is cool. This Oh, cool. 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 Oh, I know how to heal. And you'll see like magic starts to happen when you take care of yourself like that long-term. For sure. I, um, I love eating kale. One thing that I had uh, that I came across when I uh, moved out here to California um, are um, we get like the best dark leafy vegetables out here in California and especially at the Marin Farmers Market. If um, if you met me in person, uh, I often talk about it a lot. And so um, just like Jenna was saying was the fact that if you um, are eating a lot of these foods that are causing a fair amount of inflammation, it can actually heighten your sensitivity to the pain that you're experiencing. It can delay your healing and it could actually just make you feel not so great. And for um, so even just a small little change of 
being able to add a little bit more vegetables into your day is going to have a huge impact in regards to how you feel, which then let's, 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 let's talk about how, like how, like feeling and um, just like we have, we have like the training component, which is like the physical activity, which allows us to perform really well, but it's not just the training that actually makes us better. It's actually the recovery standpoint. It's the things that we do outside of, um, of our specific activity. If, um, like I usually spend maybe an hour a day exercising. And so that hour a day though, is only about, yeah, same thing with you, Jenna. Right. And so that hour a day, um, only accounts for, 4% actually, I think it's exactly 4% of our day. So one hour, 24 hour time period is 4%. And so that with that being the case, there are a lot of things that we need to be able to implement. Um, And I think in some cases it could be hard to implement because it's not, um, for lack of a better word, it's not sexy. It's not dynamic. It's not something that we can uh, truly feel immediately, but will have a huge impact in regards to how we feel. So if you're working with clients of yours, what are some recovery strategies um, in, that, that you recommend for, for your clients? I'm thinking. I'm thinking of like conversations I had yesterday, conversations I had this morning. So I'm going, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. um, The first thing I do and I force myself, even though I want to ask a different question is the first thing I do, I say, and this is just the physical therapy therapist. I go, when did you do your exercises last week? What days? Great. You know, and if they're like in front of me and it's not like a check in phone call, um, uh, I'll, I'll be like, okay, show me, you know, and if they stutter, they haven't been doing them. So I start with that. But my my patients actually get very, very honest with me because they know I'm not going to beat them up, but it's a way for us to really take true accountability in the healing process. So that's like the first thing I do. What was your question again? Because I need to make sure I stay on track. Well, I love the, uh, your response. Um, but the big question is, what are some recovery strategies that you recommend? Yeah, for your- yeah. That's the first one is like really being uh, true to yourself, like um, like what you're actually doing. We do that a lot with food where we're not honest with ourselves with that. I do that myself. So um, it's not that we're lying. We just want to be something that we're not fully at yet. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, So finding that way to be truthful, because when you are not truthful, it actually ruins your motivation that I've got into motivation, books on motivation. And um, it was saying like when you're dishonest about where you're at or what's going on, it actually decreases motivation to do things. So uh, the honesty is huge. I also am checking always about um, sleep, anxiety, stress, um, and, uh, and sometimes I'll just literally say, what did you eat? <laughs> you know, like, what did you eat? Um, social media has been a thing that I've been talking about more with people. Um, uh, cause that feeds into it. I now limit myself to 30 minutes a day on social media. Uh, when I'm doing business stuff to schedule, like I try to do it on my computer. So that way it's like separated and I'm not allowed to like play at all. It's just posting. That's it. Um, uh, but that has made the world of a difference. When we talk about not having time, I'm like, do that. And, and it, you can just literally um, at no extra cost on your phone, limit your time on specific apps. 
So I just have mine at 30 minutes and that makes a big difference. Your emotional state of where you, you are at has a major effect on your healing. Um, yeah. And just like you said, I, I was nodding like crazy saying, amen, when you were saying the 4%, exactly like the, the work that we're asking a person to do, I'm not asking for an hour. I mean, I try to make the exercises my person, depending on their level and what they want, the maximum of 15 minutes or less to do their exercises. 15 minutes is a lot. I know, but there are some high, people who want more, want that amount. Um, and uh, uh, if you're talking about doing it every day. Uh, so yeah, it's really that. And then also uh, just con constant conversations about motivation. Motivation is not linear. It's up and down with no matter what you're doing, you're going to have those high times. Like right now this week, I was like, yes, Monday is my day one with my food. So, you know, I'm in day two, you know, I'm like, yes, my motivation right now is high, you know, until maybe mint chocolate chip ice cream comes across my way on Friday night, you know, um, or like I'd make it come across my way, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Um, but like it, there's ups and downs with motivation that will be for anything that you want to achieve, including decreasing your pain and committing to your exercises. So knowing when knowing that there's going to be that wave of up and down and motivation, how, how can you make your ups and downs not as wavy? Make them as like they'll still let them happen, you know, but just not as. And listen, when the traumatic thing happens, you know, what are things that you can do that are like that will be good for your stress and anxiety exercises that complement your goal when you're working with the physical therapist? I think those conversations are really huge when when people are working at those mill clinics. It does get in the way with seeing so many patients because these kind of conversations need to be had. Um, and I'm not blaming, um, I'm not blaming the clinicians. I'm not blaming the clinic owner because they're the ones accepting those insurances that force that, you know, fight reimbursement, you know, it's like the chicken or the egg, what happened first? It's just a messed up system, period. Um, but, uh, I, I think that this is, there's a lot of opportunity for conversation and relationship with building. I think if we really were looking at, you know, providing the ultimate, um, uh, healthcare coverage for each person, which no, I mean, unless you're, you know, Bill Gates or somebody, it was a lot of money. Um, uh, it, it would, a lot of us would not have that many patients in our lives, um, that we see on a regular basis forever. Like truly, uh, I don't, I, I think if we're really talking and then that, and then with that in mind, we need a lot more physical therapists. <laughs> Because um, I think I think that there's just there's a lot to cover. There's a lot to cover. Yeah, and especially I think one of the cool things that you brought up, like when it comes to building these relationships and um, and helping people understand, like there are going to be these ups and flows in regards to motivation. I think um, one big thing, kind of in summation of what you're saying, it's like setting expectations um, for yourself for for like the recovery process, um, the lack of clarity. Um, and just in, uh, the lack of clarity and insight and just education on whatever you're dealing with um, actually makes things really uh, unclear and uncertain. And when you're dealing with uncertainty, it it's stressful. It's it's really, really hard. So that's why it's so important for you listeners that when you are working with a professional, particularly say like um, with Dr. Dr. Jenna um, or, or me or any other practitioner, being able to ask those questions and just say like, well, what can I expect? And a lot of times we're going to say it depends, but we should give you some sort of rough timeline and being able to like, give you some sort of rough time timeline, rough outline 
to just show you what it could be. But then also setting yourself some expectations, breaking it down, being able to say there are going to be ebbs and flows. My recovery um, is going to be really, really helpful rather than just saying, oh, my gosh, what is what is happening to me? When is this going to end? Um, given that clarity is going to be really, really huge um, when it comes to providing you that that level of confidence and, and readiness to get back into doing everything um, as well. And so, Jenna, thank you so much for sharing a portion of your brain today. I can talk to you all day about. I want to actually more thing though that I want to do for people yeah. listening. Um, I, I'm like, I, I, I got this idea. I was like going, you got me thinking about who this podcast is for more. And I was like, huh, um, I want to do something so people can kind of leave, like leave this podcast, loving themselves a little bit more. Um, so if you can grab a TheraBand or a belt, if you're listening, if you're driving, don't do this. Cause I want you to live. Um, so what you're going to do, I, I, I saw this in a Ted talks, um, and it was a Ted talk about weight loss. And um, he had a, and do this with me. So what you're going to do, oh, I should say four because I need to speak my So what you're going to do is you're going to hold the belt or, or their band vertically. You're going to start with your hands close together. If it's a belt, doesn't matter. And you're going to pull your hands apart just a little bit, not a lot, just so there's a little tension and you're just going to hold it. So this, you're just holding it like this. It's not that it's not that insane. You're just holding it with this tension is what is you living your everyday life, all your stressors, everything, everything that you're handling in your life, your job, your kids, your family. This is you just living your life. Now, just pull it a little more taut and or, or with a little more force if you're holding a belt. This is you adding on exercises that you're going to be doing daily. Now pull it a little bit more taut. This is you eating right, eating all the correct things. This is why motivation is difficult. I mean, it's also my arms are getting tired. I think I used too hard of a therapy and you can relax now, but I want to give you credit. I think it's important. You need to be honest with yourself on your journey to stay on track, of course, but I also want you to always give yourself love on your journey during your downs because it's so easy to want to beat ourselves up. I'm not interested in feeding into that. Oh, well, it's a downtime. So let's go party. No, it's not that, but it's just, it's, you are, it, there's, there are stressors in life that that's why it's hard to stay consistent. If you're a person with say shoulder problems, you have to do those exercises literally for the rest of your life. If you want the pain to stay away, literally, that is literally, you can't stop it. If you stop the pain will come back. It just is what it is. So um, I just want to give you respect on your journey, especially if you're going through a downtime or just what's wrong with me. It's because it's juggling stuff. Can you do it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah but I just want wanted to get that shout out. Thank you. Of course, I always want to make sure that listeners are able to get an action out of out of this, um, out of out of each episode. And I think that is a great analogy and a great understanding of what people are going through. So um, in Dennis words, love yourself, give yourself that opportunity to uh, recognize the stresses that you are have um, that you're going through and also be honest. I think that's, that's huge. And um, if you have worked with me or you've heard these other podcasts 
um, communication, not just with the clinician that you're working with, but communication amongst yourself is going to be crucial in your recovery. Because if we deny ourselves our feelings, our challenges, then we're missing a huge part of the puzzle. And so, Jenna, I'm sure that the listeners right now are going to be very interested in trying to get in touch with you because they, I love this information. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to work with you or hear more? Meet me at Disneyland, obviously. But if that doesn't work and I just happen to be sleeping up in that like hidden bedroom in in, in one of the areas there, um, uh, you can reach me at Jenna at JennaCantorPT.com. Jenna, J-E-N-N-A, Cantor, K-A-N-T-O-R, PT.com. And then my website, JennaCantorPT.com. Awesome. Listeners, uh, all of our contact information will actually be in the show notes as well. So if you didn't get that, you can go ahead and copy and paste. Jenna, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.